0: Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, some exciting news. Uh, Zach and I are both going to be in Vegas uh, this weekend for about 10 days or so. Uh, we'll be there for the Software for Y Heads Up Challenge uh, charity poker tournament. Software for Y and Run It Up from Jason Somerville are teaming up with Reg, the poker-founded charity. Uh, and they are going to be having a heads-up charity poker tournament. Uh Zach and I may or may not be in it, depending on if we get enough signups, but we will keep you in touch. We're going to be more active on social media this week uh, to follow us on Twitter and Snapchat. Our handles are JustHandsPoker on both those mediums. Uh, So to follow along and get updates about when Zach and I might be commentating or playing, uh, check those out. And to learn more about this charity event, uh, check out the link in the show notes, uh, the whole thing will be streamed uh, in some format, perhaps Twitch, uh, but to find out, just follow the link or look at our Twitter. Uh, this week, uh, the dates of the tournament are, I think it starts on Sunday and will go through about Wednesday. Uh, but again, just use the link in the show notes and follow our social media accounts to get up to date information. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you guys at that and potentially some of you at the Software y Academy. The following week, uh, out in Las Vegas. All right, guys, thank you so much, and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, man, how you doing? Doing well. Last week I said probably the last time we recorded while you were in Jordan. This time I'm very <laughs> confident that this will be the last time we we're recording while you're in Jordan, as you are. Yes. In an Uber, en route to the Amman Airport to resettle uh, into the Bay Area. Uh, excited to have you back stateside. Thank you. That is correct. To the listeners, if you hear a little pinging in the background, that's my heater. I'll do my best to get that out in post. Uh, but yeah, man, so I know your ride's not that long. Let's tackle listener hand this week. This hand comes to us from the Chinook Winds Casino. 10 p.m., a side game to the West Poker Series. This is in the great state of Oregon. I have not played here. I'm guessing you have not played here.
1: I have not yet had the pleasure.
0: No. someday, someday. Well, I so have we'll... played in Oregon, though. Yeah, I know, but you played more like Portland. I don't. I don't get the sense that this is necessarily important.
1: No, it doesn't sound like it.
0: So this is a one-three game. Our correspondent writes, "I'm playing in the one-three cash game, being filled by tournament bustouts." Yes, me also. But I'm not tilting. I promise. I'm consciously looking for value, and I definitely believe you. We're at the PacWest Poker Classic at Chinook Winds in Oregon. A table changed about an hour ago to a table with much bigger stacks uh, when a seat to the right of a weak player I'm very familiar with opened up. Good move. I've observed lots of limp calling, no one folding the 3 bets if they open, usually not if they have called behind either, and no one has 4-bit yet. Over half the players are super transparent post-flop, check-folding if they don't connect, calling two streets for any size with obvious draws or weak pairs, donking and leading when they hit strong hands, not bluffing and or folding river all around. It's a great table. Sounds like an excellent game. The relevant players in the hand, uh, the small blind, 220 behind, late 20s, early 30s, paying attention, quiet, and not getting out of line, not displaying obvious signs of weakness. Uh, I don't think a pro, but probably not a mark. The big blind has 360 behind, late 50s, high energy, has money, L.L. Bean style gray hair with nice shirt, evenly trimmed gray Manchu. I doubled through him about 20 minutes ago by 3-betting his under-the-gun open with jacks from the small blind. Flop was 3-jack-queen-rainbow. I lead, he raises. I 3-bet all-in, he grumble-calls with queen-jack off. Wow, cool on him. get the sense he is incapable of folding any big cards. and keeps complaining about hands, i.e., you got me twice with ace queen and Knight. I ought to just fold that hand. But he's not folding it because he's playing Keno and truly believes he deserves a win. One of the two biggest spots at the table. Great. Under-the-gun... It has $250. Most recent player to join the table, mid to late 30s. Blue collar works with his hands, type. Drinking a beer but not drunk. Stacks organized in shambly piles, but he seems like he's familiar with game dynamics in general. He's limped under the gun and limp called, but is not as egregiously transparent as the rest of the table post flop and plays with comfort and ease. And Hero is on the button, covers the rest of these guys with six hundred and forty bucks. He writes, I get treated like I'm always bluffing at almost every table I sit at, particularly early on, and it isn't not true, but it's not as true as people seem to think. I'd say if I could guess in my live stats, I'd be about 30-22. That's 30 VPIP 22 PFR. Uh, But folks seem to think I'm like 60-55. I'm mid-30s with a big beard and hair clippered very short. I'm wearing a hoodie with a hood down. A big cowling muted brown scarf and over ear headphones with one ear exposed. I expect that people think I look annoying, and combined with the fact that they think I overplay, I expect to gain value from slamming heavy value bets and getting called. People are often confused by my play and rarely range me correctly. They do not often correctly seem to know that I think about the game and am making my decisions for considered reasons. My B game definitely includes overplaying weak suited aces in small pairs and overcalling. Honestly, I'm unsure that overcalling me players who think they are good is a bad strategy in the long term, so I make some thin calls. I am to play mum poker, and when I'm on my A game, I keep the same pose when in hand, bet in one motion, and basically never talk. When I forget to stop shuffling chips from in between hands and find myself doing it in a hand, I'm usually in B or C game territory. I often act very quickly, but will take my time for big decisions, in particular in multiway pots and on the river. So Zach, thoughts about Hero's self-description?
1: Very detailed. Gotta gotta give him credit for that. And yeah, I would say overall, this sounds like a a description of a, a pretty great pretty great poker player. A good approach to the game. Let let's see if that that uh, description gets enforced or not enforced by the the hand that that we're about to analyze.
0: Yeah, I just want to commend uh, our hero on some good player descriptions, and I think a very self aware description of himself uh, which is you know extremely relevant he understands his frequencies and that people are overestimating his frequencies and he understands the difference between like how he's playing when he's playing really well versus when he's not playing as well obviously if you can identify that then that's probably maybe a reason i think once you can identify these kinds of things uh it normally means that you're capable of playing your a game a little bit more often than it sounds like maybe you are but yeah Overall, it sounds excellent. I'm excited to get to the hand. So to recap stacks, the small blind, who's the late 20s, early 30s player, uh, has 220. The big blind is the 50s guy with a lot of money, 360 behind. Under the gun is the blue-collar worker drinking a beer with $250, and our hero is on the button and covers. So, onto the hand. Under the gun opens the $13, and Hero has kings, king of diamonds, king of spades. So before I give what Hero writes, uh, what are game dynamics where you might not 3-bet kings? And does this strike you as one of them?
1: So when the table is like a pretty 3-bet happy table, which is pretty rare at this stake, that's a can be a time to to flat kings and back raise, especially if you're playing against the type who is not, you know to 3-bet and then kind of get stubborn with like a too wide of a value range. I think that when you're very deep, deception goes up in value, but also just getting more of your money in to be able to stack someone goes up in value too. So as a general rule, you know, we're we're really going to want to be 3-betting Kings pre flop almost all the time. I think this is certainly one of the spots in which I wouldn't consider flatting. But yeah, I think when you're in kind of an earlier position relative to the rest of the table, when stacks are pretty deep, such that like a a back raise, you know, 4-bet could be meaningful and maybe not put all the money in, that's a good time to do it. And then when you want to have a lot of deception value, maybe you're up against some really good players and want, but also have some bad players at the table, so you want to protect your flatting range, that could be a good time to to add a flatting range to the mix.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think... Most of the time that you're going to be flatting kings preflop is going to be because you think there's a very good chance someone behind you is going to raise. That might be because under the gun opened, or you're under the gun one, and it's a three-bet happy table. It might be because a very weak player opened, and there's lots of players have to act, some of whom are the type to isolate. That can be a very profitable time to back raise. So normally, when I'm not three betting, it's because I think I'm going to have another a chance to possibly 4 bet. This is clearly not one of those times, and... Hero agrees. He writes, Under the gun is very still and upright, and I can see his heart beating, and his breathing become controlled. I've not seeing his body behave this way during a hand yet. I want to put him on three hands, jacks, queens, kings. I just don't see players who are mostly comfortable get all jacked up playing ace-king or aces. They tend to enjoy it, and the way tend 10 seems like a hand that should win, but it won't be simple. I know that's a little thin, so I resist the pull of being a genius and a mitt. It really should be like 9s, 10s, jacks plus. I'm unsure if 9s or 10s should be in here, but I think maybe ace-jack suited plus and ace-king suited. I plan to 3-bet, and on the big, both players in the blinds are not afraid of making big calls. And I feel I can range them well, and I have the button. If small blind or under-the-gun ship, I will probably call, but I'll take my time as aces becomes a big part of their range. If big blind shoves, I can't call fast enough. Okay,
1: I think it's an interesting sizing question here. Where, given that you have these two player types that might, you know, call a three bet with a pretty wide range, then I think there's some value in not three betting huge to keep those those players in. So maybe ordinarily in this spot, I'd want to, especially with the tell, make closer to like a four x raise. I think maybe here I go three x a tiny bit
0: under three x. I think that's a, uh, that's reasonable, but. Given hero's read on Under the Gun, that Under the Gun has a hand pretty high up in his range, you know, like a big suited ace or a big pocket pair, uh, and probably not aces. Given that read, I think we should actually size up. Now, I can't help being skeptical of such a strong read from sort of a very subtle thing. You know, I think you shouldn't, you shouldn't underestimate like how much harder you're probably paying attention Based on the fact that you have kings, you know this guy doesn't. He's the newest guy at the table, and so it strikes me as like maybe a little bit overly zeroed in. But it is an under the gun open, and so these hands are pretty likely, especially from someone who also limps. So I think it'd be it'd be hard for this range to be too off anyway. And so given how strong these hands are, and the fact that the blinds have any two cards, I think we should just be value targeting under the gun as heavily as possible. And I would actually consider making it like four X and then shoving a lot of flops.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, we're just balancing the strength of that read versus how likely we think the blinds are to call. I think that read is relevant, but I also like, I don't want to put too much weight into it personally. And based on the player descriptions, especially of the guy with a lot of money based on the way he's playing in the big blind and on the action that night, I think that, uh, you know, we want to strongly incentivize a call and, I think in these spots, generally, if you have someone who likes to call, like, three bets but isn't just, like, a maniac, there's going to be a pretty big difference in the uh, the flatting range between, like, a th- like 3x low and a 3x and 4x, and that, like, warrants the, you know, potentially missed value we're getting from under the gun.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still think we should size up, just because, you know, even if we're not, like, giving this read, like, too much credit, we still have the information that he opened under the gun. You know, which itself is like, you know, makes it th- that he's by far the most likely person to call our three bet. I would guess he would call our three bet like at least four times as often as either of those other players call our three bet. <coughs> if not much higher. But let's not, let's not deliberate over this. Uh, either way, we're three betting and some, somewhere between three and four X seems like pretty solid. So hero raises to 45. Both blinds fold. <laughs> Big blind tank folds. Another gun takes about 10 very serious seconds and calls. His chest is still beating and he's doing that tense big hand adrenaline breath thing. Side note, <laughs> I think Tommy Angelo ought to name this. That's <laughs> uh, great. Okay. So Hero's thoughts are removed. Most of the aces and basically all the kings from his range. That's that's pocket aces and pocket kings. Uh, and so Hero's thinks it's still mostly Jackson queens and you know he's looking to get as much money in as he can on a lot of flops probably willing to get two streets in on a scary board on scary boards so i'll just point out that we're going to the flop with like an spr of about just a little over two and so yeah we should uh well what,
1: what what size did the hero use
0: 45 so okay
1: four and a half uh well oh no it was 13 sorry
0: yeah, so about about ninety something in the pot and about two oh five in the effective stacks. Um, so pot is eighty nine dollars minus rake. Flop is four of diamonds, ten of clubs, jack of clubs. Under the gun checks. My thoughts: I don't like this flop for my hand or his range. If he has jacks, I don't want to stack off. And if he has queens, he won't stack off. Hmm. Okay. So. I'm very glad to have mentioned the fact that it's, uh, it's two SPR basically. So if he has jacks, you lose. What can I say? You're not folding. Yeah. You're missing way too
1: much value against pocket Queens. Well, this is an interesting spot. So, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, this hero is capable of definitely having ace jack in their range, right?
0: Yeah, we Plus mentioned ace jack pre flop. I think ace jack suited is very likely to call the three bet. Yeah, so looks-
1: so we're just missing too much value against those hands.
0: Yeah. Uh, Plus, if, if ace jack suited is in there, then ace queen suited and ace king suited are both pretty likely. And our opponent could easily have a combo draw uh, that we're going to get in pretty good against
1: flush, flush on the flop.
0: Yeah, flush. There's two clubs on the flop. Oh, kind
1: of flops. yeah.
0: And even if he just has like a gut shot, if he, if we bet and he folds his queen, that's solid. Like we don't, we just don't want to give a lot of these hands a free card. If he won't stack off with Queens and the only hand he stacks off with is jacks or tens. Then like, you know, this guy's just really tight (laughs) and I don't know what to do. Like he's just too tight, you know? And so he's going to get like, you know, value with like his sets and miss like all the equity of all of his other hands. Against our range.
1: Well, I guess if we're playing, if we're if we know that for sure, we could bet small and fold to a raise. But there's we definitely don't have enough information to do something incredibly exploitable like that. Yeah, I but think this, this we're is not
0: going to be able to bet fold to raise because of the, it's a cluster on board. Like we're just not going to be able to.
1: Yeah, so I, so I think uh, I think this is a nice spot to you know just bet around two thirds pot, make sure you know we we get that fold from Ace Queen. Or if he wants to play a flush draw passively, we get a call, or a raise, and then we have a you know, a very nice shove on the turn.
0: Yeah, I think it's really just a question of, like, bet two-thirds now and shove the turn, or just shove now?
1: I think uh, if, if our hero is worried about this guy being so tight that he's not going to stack off with queens, then I think it is reasonable to think that he's capable of folding a jack to a 2x pot shove. As well as like a flush draw, so I think we're missing too much value by, you know, making a giant overbet.
0: Yeah, it's not a giant overbet though.
1: Yeah, it's two. Um, it's two
0: x pot. I think it's still not a giant overbet. Like it's 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 just it's just not. Like I know it's two x pot, but like you know, if we bet, here's the thing: if we bet. Two thirds pot now. It's like our opponent knows the rest is going in on the turn, or even if, even if that's not true, that's what our opponent's could be thinking. And if we shove and our opponent just like folds, like Ace Queen with like the Ace of Clubs, like that's solid.
1: Yeah, there's just there's a lot of assumptions I think for the two X pot to be to be correct. One of which is you identified as the assuming that it's going to go in on the turn. I think that's probably true for most, but I've definitely played with players, whether I'm in the hand or just observed it, in which, you know, they'll call, let's say this guy's capable of showing up here with Ace-Ten suited, where he'll happily call the flop, and then just decide, like, you know what, he might just be bluffing one, and then if he bets again on the turn, I know that i am beat, slash, maybe I have that mindset on the flop, and then just talk myself into a call on the turn, where if he were to you know, 2x pot, then, you know, he'll just be like, you know what, you might be bluffing, but I don't want to put the money in here. Again, there's just a lot of different player types. I think there's also player types in which you're more likely to get value from an ace-10 type hand by just shoving the flop versus two-thirds pot shoving turn. But most importantly, I don't think we have enough information to do the thing, like, as exploitable as the 2x pot bet on on the flop
0: yeah well, I don't think the two x pot on bet on the pot is necessarily like super exploitable or I'm not really thinking it even of it in like an exploited manner like I might not choose to size of my buff the same way, but like I think you could very reasonably just like ship if you think this guy's that tight just like ship your range basically and mm-hmm.
1: yeah well, then I guess for forgetting exploitable versus what would you know, that then, then I guess for sure I feel confident in saying that against the field based on this information, two thirds pot is going to get way more value. Where especially given our hero th- thinks this guy is leaning towards playing tight anyways, you know, th- we we want to maximize our value from one mm. pair hands and yeah. flush draws, combo draws.
0: Well, so I'll point out that we both agree that. Some kind of bet here is absolutely one hundred percent the way to go. And I'll also point out that nowhere in the preflop description did we say that like under the gun was very tight. Our description of him before, before the hand started was that I'll just read it again because it's pretty short, and I think it's a it's worth looking at. It's the most recent player to join the table, mid to late thirties, blue collar work worker, sorry, blue collar works with his hands type, drinking a beer but not drunk. Stacks unorganized in shambly piles, but he seems like he's familiar with game dynamics in general. He has limped on the gun and limped called, but is not as egregiously transparent as the rest of the table post flop and plays with comfort and ease. And then we get to like the flop and now this guy is just like folding Queens. I just don't get it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's for sure. And I think, uh, it's a really common thing to, you know, modify your reads, not based on new information, but, what is like most convenient based on what you want to do or to justify what you did after the fact. Yeah. And I think just given how, how disparate the, the, those two descriptions are of like what he's going to do after the flop and and pre-flop, I think our listener is doing that on some level.
0: And so, so this is why I'm saying like, and I think both lines are fine and I don't want to like argue about it more, but this is why I'm saying like shove, consider just shoving here because if we hadn't for some reason said now that this guy is like tight and would fold Queens, I think it's like a pretty clear shove. I mean, we have a lot to protect against. Uh, we have very clear bluffs. Ace King and Ace Queen would both, you know, consider overbet shoving here. And I think our opponent knows that if they had Queens or Ace Jack, I think they would try to consider calling if they folded. It's, you know, not great, but it's nothing the end of the world. And if they fold those hands, I don't think they're guaranteed to like, put it in, in another fashion anyway i think both lines make sense our hero decides that he's going to take a card and see if he'll take a stab and the plan is to call down medium scary boards and likely raise blank t- blanks on turn or river depending if he checks most turns i'll bet for value yeah and i just don't like this because i just think we're going to let a lot of hands we're gonna to let too many hands get there for free and i don't think it's necessarily a better way to get value
1: uh-huh. Yeah, I think for a lot of our, you know, most of our value targets, we're just clearly missing value here. So flush, we let flush draws either get there or then not have as good of odds and then fold to like a two-thirds pot bet. If uh, if an ace comes, you know, we're not we're not getting stacks in against an ace-jack, ace-10 type hand. So, yeah, I think for the reason we described before, we it's
0: 100% bet on the flop. Yeah. So here I add some self-criticism from post-hand. Just shove. If he has jacks or aces, tap the table on a nice hand. I charge so many draws and get crying calls from me hands. Not sure he's the right type player type for this, but it's likely. And there's already a good size spot out there if he folds. I wasn't getting any more without being beat anyway. Yeah, it's not exactly my reasoning, but I, I agree. I think it's a good instinct. I also think if you had sized up a little bit pre-flop, it'd be a slightly clearer shove. Like, if you made it 50, then you're talking about less than 2x pot, which is nice. It's always nice to be less than 2x pot when you're overbetting. <laughs> Turn is the beautiful 8 of clubs. <laughs> he takes about 5 seconds and bets $45 into 89. He is still holding the pose and breathing thing with heart beating. So here are his thoughts. Clubs and queen 9 get there, but I still think he's more likely. he more likely has a pair, maybe with one club, Not sure he's changing his play too much based on that. What are you doing here?
1: This is tough. I I feel like the bet sizing is, you know, more indicative of a hand that we're beating than not. And just when we think about his range composition, that's true. I also think this could, could be consistent with ace queen or ace king with club. So, you know, given that read, then it's just a question of is it more likely to get value on a river, including a river that could make our opponents hand the best, a river that could make it much harder for, you know, a one pair hand to call. I think because we're never really folding unless I guess it's a, a fourth club uh, a Hero doesn't have a club, right?
0: Yeah, hero has no clubs.
1: Yeah. So I, I think we could, against this player type, maybe fold, a, you know, probably fold on a fourth club if the villain shoves. But absent that, we're not folding. So I think this is, a, for similar reasons of betting the flop, I think we want to just shove here on the turn. We're going to get snapped off by hands that are beating us, but also, you know, I think we're just missing too much value against one pair of hands and giving away too much equity to one club hands.
0: Yeah. I think if we thought we were going to be able to play rivers, like, perfectly, there'd be more of a case for just calling. But I think that's unlikely... On a blank, we're almost certainly going to pay off any like any non-shove bet. I would say we're certainly going to pay off if he shoves. I think we would still, you know, we might be able to fold against a shove, uh, but I'm not loving it. Yeah, I mean,
1: if if this if we had the information such that like this player was so tight and so not aggressive that we could comfortably fold a shove, fold to a shove on a blank river, then I definitely prefer calling. But it doesn't seem like we. we we really
0: know that yeah I, th- I don't think we know that and so i think i think we should probably just shove through keep in mind that your opponent probably thinks he has the best hand after you didn't bet the flop anytime he has a jack and a yeah. lot of times when he has like a jack he's also gonna have a club or maybe he has queens with the queen of clubs and you know he's just not folding any of those hands so i think like you're getting plenty of value on the shove if he does if he does decide to fold like one club hands you know, like ace queen with the ace of clubs, then that's fine. And yeah, like you pay the max to a flush or a set, but I was ready to pay the max to a set on the flop, which isn't necessarily a reason to do it now. But I still think like there's so much value to be had and the hand plays much more simply as a shove now that I just like it better. I don't think there's another raise size.
1: No, definitely not.
0: So hero writes that he would raise with the king of clubs, but doesn't think that raising with uh, his hand seems wise. So he checked back, or I, he writes, I checked back. So he would bet, and now he has. So call. Don't love it. And I don't. I just want to write that I don't think we necessarily checked back because we wanted him to bet. I I thought we wanted we checked back because we we wanted him to we wanted a blank, and we, so he wouldn't bet. So then we would know he didn't have a set. Anyway, we we don't need to rehash the the flop play. Hero calls. Pot is 179 on the river with about 150 in the stacks. Uh, and river is the ace of spades. And hero takes about sorry, villain takes about 10 seconds and bets 65. dollars
1: Oh, <laughs> man, I hate these spots. Yeah. I'm so just- betting 65 and 180 like. We're beat most of the time, but again, I just think two good odds to to not call.
0: Oh, really? Huh.
1: Oh, I would yeah. Just, I would so, I would mean, fold, I oh, so you think this guy? Do you think this guy just has us? Whatever it is, eighty percent of the time.
0: Yeah. What? What's his? What's the bluff? Like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This really is the worst card. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah, especially at 1-2. One, at one I'm with you.
0: And I don't... I think most players wouldn't... This is a pretty bad card if he's, like, holding queens. Uh, then I I don't think he would bet it.
1: He's not going to turn that into a bluff. But yeah, I, I just... In my mind, I, I was thinking he sells flush draws, but ultimately those those flush draws just got there with an ace. Yeah, they so. all got there. Yeah, especially with a 3-bet pre-flop.
0: so... Same yeah. with... I mean, King-Queen got there, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was had to fold. So Hero writes, My thoughts. This is the worst card, but I must have been ranging him wrong because this bet makes no sense. I think even jacks might slow down or might not have led when the flush came in after I took a free card. Queens, I think, checks almost always. I rack my brains for hands he can bet here that I can beat. Or gloves make sense. Maybe kings for a chop? but I don't really think he has... A- he leads into an ace. I think I look like I have ace-king. I consider shoving... I could have king-queen or a slow-played flush, but with the stacks left, he bets 65, 160 here. I don't think he's folding, uh, even if he's weak. What does he have? Aces that didn't four-bet pre-jacks and not scared, ace-king. I just don't still see this with the physical read, but perhaps I'm giving too much credence here. I'm confused, but can't see a win. I fold. Yeah, we we like the fold. I'm. I think you are underestimating your opponent's ability to value bet with hands like... Jacks, tens, flushes, ace jack, ace ten, eights. You know, all all these hands like I think would bet for value. And when you check back the flop, I don't think he has that much to be scared of. Like I, I agree he might not bet like hands, like one pair of hands, because it does kinda of seem like you have ace king. But it kinda of seems to like give Ace King and then he bet, so probably has it good fold. I think you made some really great reads pre-flop or sort of before the hand happened. And I felt like, I think maybe what's happening is you are sort of thinking worst case scenario a lot of the time. And I think a good mindset to adopt, especially in games where opponents are a little wonky is that when SPR reaches a certain threshold, and we have a certain strength of hand, we should just be, I think, a little bit more committed to getting in the money somehow and just thinking about what's the way to get the money in where my opponent's range will look the most like I want it to when all the money gets in, rather than trying to sort of save money in the worst-case scenario. Because I think it's a lot easier to maximize your value than minimize your losses in these games because opponents aren't betting in like a very predictable pattern. Uh, but they are showing up with like a somewhat predictable range of hands that we're doing very well against. So yeah, I think whether, whether you decide that shove flop or bet two thirds, flop shove turn, either of those I think could be a very valid way to play the hand. But yeah, I think the main thing is just be committed to the pot when you have such a strong hand and the stacks are so low and proceed without fear. And I agree. I like the way you phrased it. If he has jacks or aces, just tap the table and say a nice hand. Or if you're playing mom poker, then don't say a nice hand, just tap the table. But yeah, thank you so much for writing in, and good luck in the games, man.